On this episode of Drinks with Los Hermanos, Jackson and Tristan talk with Rachel Dillon, also known as the Cold Brew Chick. We talk to her about her uh, adventures being a cold brew influencer, um, her experience being at uh, Coffee Fest, where we met her in Indiana, and just trends that are happening in the coffee world. So sit back and enjoy. What is going on, everybody? We are not live, but live from Indianapolis um, here at the Indiana Convention Center for Coffee Fest 2019. And we are here with Rachel Dillon. Hi. Also known as the Cold Brew Chick. Yes. And since we are cold brew producers, yeah. we uh, felt like it was awesome to connect with you. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. Yeah. So we've uh we've we've kind of talked with you on and off for like a year ish kind of yeah, something like that since we started uh, bottling our cold brew and uh I mean it's almost been a year since we opened up our little shop in yeah. the Carter unit. So mm-hmm. yeah, we've been kind of following you for that long and because uh, you live in San Diego, right? I do. Beautiful San Diego. Yeah. And then um you're you're currently doing an internship, correct? I am. I am in the process of becoming a registered dietitian. So to do that, it requires you to get a bachelor's in nutrition, um, and then you have to complete a internship, which is um, within a certain amount of hours and completing different um, competencies within the realm of food and nutrition. And then you take an exam to get your RD credential, and then you find a job. <laughs> so I'm at the point where I literally I have 10 days left in my internship, so I'm right there Ooh. at the end. So the next step is to study and take the exam and then find a job. So, <laughs> yeah, just about wrapping up. So what kind of brought us together was, like we said, cold brew coffee. So tell us why you're so passionate about cold brew coffee and kind of what kickstarted your journey into podcasting. Yeah, passionate. Love that word. <laughs> um, so I was not a coffee drinker for very long before I got into cold brew. I started drinking hot coffee when I, um, well, I was originally a theater major, actually. It had like a life change and moved out to with my parents. And when that happened is when I discovered coffee and started to drink it. And I was always just black coffee, drip, easygoing. I liked the taste of coffee, so never added cream or sugar. Um, and after a couple of years, I realized that I would get acid reflux attacks after I drank the hot coffee. And I was so bummed because I knew that wasn't good. Um, and I also wanted to safely drink my coffee and I enjoyed it. I mean, we all love that caffeine rush that you get in the morning, you know? So I was a little bit torn. I'm like, what do I do? Um, and I would kind of drink iced coffee and that would kind of work, you know, I wouldn't get as bad acid reflux, but I also didn't really like the taste and I just kind of like in a dilemma. Um, it worked out well for me though, because right around this time is when cold brew really started to become popular. So I went to, at this point I was at San Diego State, um, had officially switched my major and was majoring in nutrition. And there was a coffee shop that I had heard about that was serving cold brew. So I went, I remember this day clearly, I went to the shop called Wholesome Coffee in San Diego, if you're in the area, and I had my first cold brew and popped the cherry and my world changed. Not only was it one of the most delicious coffees I've ever had, but afterwards I didn't have the acid reflux attack and I felt fantastic. And I'm like, this is cold brew. This is a world I want to be in. Um, So ever since then, I specifically would drink only cold brew and I could safely enjoy my coffee. Fast forward about a year and a half, um, I started kind of playing around with making cold brew at home, trying different cold brews for fun. It still wasn't, you know, what it is today, but it was definitely picking up steam, right? And more and more shops in San Diego were offering it. 
and I was at the point of my uh, major where I had to do a project in something food and nutrition related. And so I had a great professor I partnered with and I told him, you know, I want to learn more about cold brew. I want to learn why is it that I can enjoy it pain free um, and kind of like what's the science behind it? Because this is, you know, a different coffee product. Mm -hmm. And he was awesome and said, you know, go have some fun. You know, he didn't give me any restrictions, which was great. So I went on the internet and I mean, I was in my very academic mindset of, oh, maybe I'll just like Google some stuff and create a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> and then present it. <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, when I scoured through the internet, there wasn't really anything. It was a lot of just like very basic cold brew 101, how to make cold brew at home with a French press, stuff like that, which was great, but it wasn't what I was looking for. I wanted to learn like, you know, why do certain people pick certain coffees and what makes a good cold brew and what can you do with cold brew, you know? Um, so I had the idea instead, I'm like, you know what, what I'll do is I'll go to every shop in San Diego that serves cold brew. And along the way, you know, I'll try it, I'll talk to the people that make it and learn from them what they know. Because these are people in the coffee industry, they obviously have this knowledge that I could kind of tap into. So I started that project and I created an Instagram just for me to kind of like document these shops. Mm -hmm. um, and I had to give it a name. So it's actually funny because I didn't want to call it Cold Brew Chick because I thought people would associate the chick with the ducks. And so I really wanted to do Cold Brew Queen, but that was already taken on Instagram. So I was like, I guess I'll do Cold Brew Chick. And it actually has it's worked out really well. Um, and I just started taking pictures of my cold brew and I shared the education that I got. So I'd always share, you know, what beans were used, how it was made, mm -hmm. If they did anything different, um, I started with like video interviews too. So I just go to a shop and be like, hey, can I film you talking about your coffee? Which some people love and some yeah, people, people freaked them out. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't do that anymore. Um, but yeah, but from there it grew. Um, I think San Diego is the cold brew city of the world. There is so much cold brew here because of our weather. And there's so many people doing innovative things at cold brew. So I always had content. I always had shops to visit. And from there, it just grew eventually into a blog where I would blog about, you know, taking beans and turning them into cold brew and what this shop is doing. And then, you know, when I go to these shops, sometimes I would be there for an hour, hour and a half, having these conversations with these people so passionate about their coffee. And then I had the idea of like, well, let me turn this into a podcast. I'm going to record these conversations and share them with people because there has to be someone else out there that finds this as interesting as I do. And that's how the podcast got started. Um, and then I got a YouTube for when I was making, you know, testing out cold brew makers. And it's just grown and grown and grown as the cold brew industry has grown and grown and grown. So it's been a really fun field to be a part of. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, listening to your podcast and... Um, following on Instagram and all that actually has inspired a couple of ours. Like the podcast you're talking about with Wholesome, yeah. I'm pretty sure we took a couple of the things that you guys talked about and implemented yeah. into our business. So. Oh, I, that's yeah. awesome. I, I love that shop. It's so, it's like still my go-to shop. If I'm like, oh, I need to get like some work done or I have some assignments to get done, that's where I go because I just, I drink their cold brew, which is the same one. That was my first one. They haven't changed it. And just something about, you know, when you find your coffee shop, right? It's yeah. just something about yeah. like the atmosphere, the music, the lighting, it just all comes together and it creates that perfect experience. And that's that shot for me. So when was the first time that you got kind of involved in the cold brew scene at Coffee Fest? I, so I started cold brew chick. Now I know the exact date because I just found out it was May 30th. So two days oh, ago, nice. it was two years. Um, on May 30th is when I did my first post. Um, it had been a couple months and 
it was around September-ish, I found out about this um, coffee fest mm -hmm. thing that was going on, and I saw the America's Best Cold Brew competition. I thought, oh my God, I have to go. And then I saw it was in Portland, and I'd never been to Portland, but I knew that Portland was like the birth of Stumptown. I knew there were great coffee shops there. And so I thought, oh my God, this is a great opportunity to go to this cold brew competition and try these cold brews, and then go to Portland and try these shops. Um, and I was just like, I have to go. Um, but I didn't know anyone <laughs> that lived there. And so what I did is I just bought a plane ticket. I asked Coffee Fest, hey, at the time I think I had like 500, 400 followers. I said, hey, I write about cold brew. Can I come? <laughs> and they, they gave me a badge and let me come. So thank you, Coffee Fest, for that. Um, and I found an old family friend that was living there. She let me crash her couch. Um, and I made it work. And I went. And that was so interesting to me because that was the first time I actually met two San Diego companies that were also there. We met in Portland for the first time, which is kind of funny. <laughs> um, and I met them and they were great. They kind of took me under their wing since I was by myself. Um, and it was just so interesting to see the scene up there um, and try the first time, you know, trying 32 cold brews in one day. Had a bit of a it's bad a experience yeah. with that. Um, I definitely got over caffeinated, didn't eat enough, didn't drink enough, and was sitting at a table like trying to calm myself down. <laughs> it was bad, but I learned from it, which is great. Um, and it was there was a cold brew class I remember I went to, and that's when I first learned about the history of cold brew, which no one had ever told me about before. Um, so yeah, it was just a great first experience for me when I first started, and ever since then, I go to every one that I can. So I went to the one in LA that was the next year, and then we have this one that we're at now, and then LA coming up again in August. So just it's a great event to go to if you love coffee. It's also very easy to get over caffeinated because that happens to us. <laughs> yeah, we went to Chicago two years ago. Yep. Yeah, and uh, we were just like, ooh, espresso, ooh, right? Espresso, ooh, cold brew. <laughs> ooh, cold brew. I was just like. I am tired, yeah. but I'm awake. Like, I was just wired awake, and I was exhausted. Yeah, wired like, but tired. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was sitting there just talking a mile a minute, and it was, I think, the barista yeah. challenge, and I just was like, I got to sit down. <laughs> yeah, he had, uh, you'd bartended all night. Yeah. Drove down, met me in, like, Kalamazoo. We hopped on a train to Chicago at, like, 5 a.m. Oh, my gosh. And just got there, and. Walked around Chicago all day, went to Navy Pier, and went to Coffee Fest, and it was really awesome. And um, I don't know, we kind of got hooked on like the coffee community at yeah. that point. Because like, before then, we really didn't, we were in this group online, it was yeah. like coffee, coffee, coffee on Facebook, and there's like 300,000 people in it. It was just like a it was just weird like a mix. Posted board of like yeah. things that... You know, had to do with coffee, like people who had their mugs and stuff, but it wasn't yeah, like, but it wasn't like a coffee industry, industry, yeah. um, community. We, we're kind of, we're in like a coffee owner, coffee shop owners group now that there's quite a few of those people that are here. Mm -hmm. And, um, so it's just a whole different perspective on the industry when you go to something like this, where yeah. you see these people that are passionate, um, and it's, it's literally their life. Like it's what they do all the time. And, you know, we, I, I met some <clears throat> met some people here that didn't get into the latte art competition and were just hanging out all day as an alternate waiting to see if they could compete. Like just they had their pitcher and a cup and were just sit, hanging out waiting to see if they could get in and uh, compete. And that was pretty cool. Dang. I think yeah. I think that's what's um, awesome about events like this and even social media is connecting with people that are in the same industry and and just really getting to pick their brain and seeing what's going on in the other parts of the world because most people don't get to travel as much as everybody. 
And so it's nice to be able to communicate with someone in San Diego when we're in Michigan and see what's going on in the world of coffee. Yeah, and I say often that, you know, San Diego, I think, is the cold brew city of the world. And, I mean, we have a cold brew competition that we do ourselves in December, which I asked the creator, like, why do you have it in December? And he said, because we can. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you're right, like, social media, it's, especially in coffee, um, it's been great to kind of see, like, what cold brews are out there. And um, I remember when I went to Portland, um, at the time I had, through social media, met this company called Coffee X, who's, they're based in Vancouver, which is, you know, just over the bridge, mm-hmm. and they um, took me on a little caffeine crawl in Portland, and I got to meet them and try their cold brew, That's and cool. I would have yeah. never done that or really known what shops to go to if I hadn't met them through Instagram. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, now, a lot of the things we could probably talk about right now, you've already talked about in your podcast, but um, I want to know what kind of things, since you are in the cold brew capital what kind of trends do you see in colbert right now or within the past couple of years right now right now, right now. okay so the top two right now um i would say are cbd and oat milk lattes oh. um and this is what i noticed at expo west which if you're not familiar expo west and expo east is this very large natural products convention um and it's not specifically for coffee but a lot of cold brew companies go to it. So I always go because it's usually like 50 cold brew companies that are there. And I like to see um, what they're doing. And it's usually, that's when they're testing out new products that haven't been released yet. So when I went this past time, there were like four CBD cold brews that were there. And then it seems like everyone's coming out with these oat milk draft latte style cold brews. Um, I think oat milk is definitely like the top mm-hmm. alternative milk right now. And everyone's using it, everyone's trying it, everyone's trying to pick their favorite of the ones that are out there. Um, So that's like the top creation that people are coming out with. Um, Over the past couple years though, what I've seen like in San Diego and the trends that I really like, I love immersion cold brews. I wish more people did them. Um, If you're not familiar, an immersion cold brew is when, during the cold brew process, when your beans are steeping in water, you have other ingredients as well that are steeping. Um, And some common ones are cacao nibs, coconut, um, cinnamon, vanilla bean. Some shops in San Diego do like freeze dried strawberries and get really kind of funky with it. And I just love the end product that comes out because it gives cold brew this unique flavor to it that doesn't have any extra calories or sugar, which being a nutrition person, I love that. Um, And actually my favorite cold brew that I, I I say it's my favorite, I have a lot of favorites, but the one that always stands (laughs) out for me is one that is an immersion. They take a coconut and they steep it and it's a single origin Brazil from Mostra Coffee in San Diego and it's phenomenal. I love that cold brew so, so much. Um, So immersions, Nitro is still on the rise, and hot nitro is really starting to pop up everywhere. Um, The first time I heard of it was about a year and a half ago in San Diego. There's a shop called Ryan Brothers that was playing around with hot nitro, and then over the course of the year, I've seen more and more shops coming out with it, and it's funny because it's always been like, check out this new innovation. You've never seen it before, and I'm like, actually, I have. (laughs) (laughs) It's a year ago in San Diego, and they're like, what? It's a shocker, Um, but yeah, hot nitro. Um, trying to think. I had a whole podcast episode about this too. Yeah. Cold brew sodas kind of went away, but they're kind of coming back. Um, anytime that you add carbonation to cold brew, it's very 
tricky because the CO2 in carbonation oxidizes the coffee and makes it taste funky. It can work, but it's tricky, right? So Stumptown had those sodas like, what, two or three years ago? And then they went away because I think people didn't like them. But now I'm seeing more sparkling cold brews come back. Um, And the other big trend I would say, too, is people are actually getting away from cold brew and really pushing flash brews. So a flash brew is when you take um, like a pour over style coffee. So you have your ground up in the top and you're pouring the hot water over it. And as the coffee drips through the filter, it drips onto ice, which automatically chills it. And so it's not, it's not truly cold brew, it's an iced coffee, but a lot of people are really liking the style because it pulls more acidity or bright flavors from coffee. And that's a common complaint of cold brew is that, you know, it's not bright enough, it's not complex enough and whatnot. Um, so a lot of people are really getting into the flash brew style and are now even canning it. So that's a big thing I've been seeing lately too. Yeah, we get a lot of people that say our cold brew isn't as strong as their normal hot coffee. Yeah. I think it's just because it's a lot smoother mm-hmm. and they're missing some of that acidity and brightness and it's just a nice, mellow, smooth drink. Yeah. And uh, they're not quite used to that. Um, I think the, the flash brew, I think somebody in the cold brew competition was doing something like that. He's like, <gasps> No! <laughs> I'm very passionate about um, education on cold brew, of what is cold brew and what is not. Yeah. Because I have been to too many shops where on their menu it says cold brew, and I buy cold brew, and any time I buy cold brew, I, I ask them, you know, what beans use and how they make it. Because um, I'm always trying to pass that education to others, yeah. but I also want to learn myself. Right. And so, too many shops I've been to where I ask them, oh, yeah, how did you make a cold brew? And say, like, oh, you know, we, we brewed it for eight minutes, and then we chilled it. And I said, eight minutes, so you used a hot water then? They're like, oh, yeah. And I just, I keep my mouth shut, and I say, okay, <laughs> thank you, and I walk out the door. But inside, I'm almost fuming, because I'm like, that's not cold right. brew. That is a version of iced coffee. And yeah. that's great, you know, and sometimes they do taste great. But the thing is, you shouldn't call it a cold brew then. You should call it an iced coffee. So that's yeah. just me it's a, on my It's been a box. pet peeve of mine, too. Like when, <laughs> yeah, when people ask for iced coffee at our shop, we don't do iced coffee because we are strictly cold we brew. Just do cold mm-hmm. brew. And I'm like, yeah, we have cold brew. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, yeah, same thing. I was like, it's, it's, not, it's not, but it's, it's okay. Yeah. Um, Whatever, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> so now, being one of the benefits of cold brew is less acid and less acid, it helps with acid reflux. Do mm-hmm. you find the flash brew? Does it, does it bring up the still acid reflux part, or is it not as long and not pulling as much acidity that it still kind of gets the benefits of cold brew? You know, interestingly, no. And the thing is, even with, so here's my confession, I still will, like, once or twice a month have a cup of hot coffee, because yeah. um, I do love it, and that's right. how I got into coffee, and sometimes I just kind of crave, like, that temperature and yeah. having the aroma, you know? It's a different experience, right? So once or twice a month, I'll have a cup, and not every time after I drink it do I get an acid reflux attack. So I don't know if it's because I drank cold brew for so long that my body my um, body has adjusted. Uh-huh. Now, um, that's not to say it's none of the time, uh-huh. but it's much less frequently. Um, so yeah, with flash brews, I don't. Um, but the thing with flash brew, though, is again you have that higher chance of oxidation happening, right? Uh-huh. So I don't know if you guys have ever had a flash brew that just is so bright and acidic and I I've mean, never actually tasted yeah, it. Oh, you guys never had flash brews? No. They, um, it can be hit or miss depending on how quickly you chill it um, and how quickly you serve it. Um, it. If it oxidizes, it can get really bright and just, you get that bite that you can taste in iced coffee yeah. that you don't notice in cold brew. 
Um, but some of them have been very delicious. Um, I would say the best one that I've tried, and I love their marketing, is Verve Coffee. They're a Santa Cruz roaster um, out in California, and they've branched to L.A., and they are no longer ser serving cold brew. They have completely switched over to flash brew, and that is their branding is we're not cold brew, right. we're flash brew. And I appreciate that because they're being very transparent about yeah, the fact yeah. that this is something different. This is not, we're not selling you a cold brew. Yeah. We're selling you a different experience, right? And their reasonings are fair. You know, they wanted something very bright and acidic, mm -hmm. and they wanted some complexity from their beans, and it actually tastes very good. I, I like it. I do enjoy it. I'll have to try that out. I don't think yeah. any – so we're – you know we're in Michigan, so we're kind of like <laughs> we're definitely later. Five years behind you guys out on the coast. Like I mean, like <laughs> so. as you as you could see here, like you said with the uh, the hot nitro, it's oh it's new and 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 Benev, and you're like oh, I've seen it a year and a half ago. <laughs> I actually listened to that podcast that you. Um, oh, with him, yeah. yeah. And I was, I told him, I was like, "Yo, whenever we get a, He's a like, place, we, we, we gotta have try to do this." It, yeah. yeah, just the reasonings <laughs> behind it, like it's less product waste and all that, and it's, mm -hmm. you can keep the same keg; it just goes with a different different spouts I was like yeah that's uh that's actually really really smart yeah the only thing that's tough about hot nitro is if you are a hot coffee drinker why would you drink it right because you would rather have just have a hot cup of coffee yeah um, they're, they're not going to taste the same so yeah. you're not, no, not. going to get what you want from that cup of coffee that was like one thing we were talking about it you're like we could just throw our our drip machine away we won't ever have to use it i'm like yeah but there's a lot of people who want that coffee yeah, yeah they're not gonna want hot nitro yeah and but for someone like me like yeah it is a great option and again you mentioned you know it does keep your cold brew lasting yeah. longer um so it has it definitely has pros and cons but it's just so cool to see that we've gotten there we're at the point yeah. where we're like we can get cold brew hot with yeah. foam it's right like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. another the, experience the new brood system i believe is going to have the hot and cool option. The hot and cool. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think when I was reading up on the colder competition because we were in it, um, it said that their next one that they're going to be releasing can, is dual. It can have hot or cold. Interesting. Yeah, those machines are pretty cool. Yeah, they're just like they're tabletop machines, and they just have like a, a nitro generator on them, and you just pull the lever, and it just it just goes. You don't even need a tank. Yeah, it's been great to see the technology of Nitro Cold Brew get better and better. Because I remember when I first went to shops, um, <laughs> seeing um, the baristas like shake the keg. And they, <laughs> they shook it a certain amount of times, and they it's a secret how many right. times they would <laughs> shake it. Um, which, if you're not familiar, um, they were shaking it to incorporate all the nitrogen gas into the cold brew, so that when they pour it, you know the foam head's consistent. Um, and now you don't have to do that any, anymore. But it's just crazy to see how much easier it is to do nitro. Yeah, we have um, we we bought special tops for our kegs that have a, a nitro stone at the bottom. Ah, so, gotcha. can, so when we we hook it up, you can hear it bubbling from the bottom, and it just Ooh, rises nice. up to the top. So it it takes like half an hour to get it. Yeah. Instead of like you get, you instead gotta, of all day, you gotta let it sit there it. all day, and then you gotta shake it three times and all that stuff. Yeah, so even a, canned nitro cold brew has gotten better. Before it would be like you would, um, you would open it, and you have to be careful when you open it because it could just like explode. <laughs> and then when you'd pour it, like the nitro would be so weak, it wouldn't even cascade. And now some of the last ones I've had recently, it's beautiful cascades. You get a pretty nice solid like foam head, and it's gotten a lot better. That's how I've always wondered how they get the like the cascade in the can because I know like Guinness they have a like a special ball that like once you open it drops mm -hmm. down to disrupt all the nitrogen. Yeah, that I a lot of people are kind of quiet when it comes right. to well, that yeah. you know because anything that's like is you know 
advanced like that. They don't really want to divulge too much. I noticed about six months ago when I, I was pouring a Stumptown Nitro or Holler Mountain, um, and I noticed there was like this white thing in the bottom of the can. Is this? And I think that has a part of it. Yeah. Um, it's like an agitator because a lot of people they they just flash the nitro and then they put the top of the can yeah. in there. So I think the agitator at the bottom helps when you're pouring to get the nitro right. in with all the coffee. But I'm not really sure about <laughs> that technology. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll learn. Like you said, I think it's the same thing that is in the yeah the bottles of Guinness is a that's an agitator that is it. So it's. We, we've been trying to look into that, but we haven't really seriously looked into canning our nitro yet. Mm -hmm. We're um, still in the building process yeah. of our, just our shop. So we're hoping soon we can ramp up our uh, production. Um, have you ever seen cold brew in a bag in a box? Yes. Yes, okay. Yeah, I've seen cold brews in bags, pouches. Yeah. Yeah, and then I've seen, um, I think Wandering Bear has a box style cold brew. Do you yeah. like those? Um, it doesn't, I mean, Watering Beer is the only one that I've heard of that does the box or that I've seen. And I haven't tried it from there. I tried it from their actual bottle. Okay. And it was good. Um, the pouches I've had have all been good. I don't think it makes a huge difference so much when it comes to the flavor. The biggest thing that affects the flavor of bottled cold brews, I think, is if it's pasteurized and shelf-stable or not. That's the number one thing. Because once you shelf-stable a cold brew, I don't know what it is. It just always affects the flavor. It's never as good as a fresh one. Do you consider those cold brew? The pasteurized yeah. one? Yeah, because the heat that's, I mean, because there's different ways you can pasteurize things, right? And the most common is you, there's a certain amount and temperature of heat that's applied to the end cold brew product, so it kills the bacteria. And I would still consider that a cold brew because the heat was added afterwards. afterwards okay. It wasn't added during the cold brew process. So it'd be the same as if you're doing the hot cold brew, you yeah. know? Okay. But you still said that the flavor is a little bit different because it's been heated. And yeah. Heated or sometimes they add, like, um, preservatives to it. Um, it just, yeah, it, I don't know why it affects the flavor the way it does, but it just, it never tastes as good. And the only cold brew I ever had that was... You know, really decent for a shelf stable. Um, sadly, they don't exist anymore. But Domain out in Kansas City, Missouri, they had a special technology that they used where they would nitrogen flash their coffee beans before they ground them. And he had all the all the like scientific proof and all the like evidence to show that when he did that, it killed all the bacteria. So when he ground his coffee and then turned it into cold brew, his end product had like no bacteria in it. And would be safe for like five months. So he, That's crazy. yeah. And I was shocked. I'm like, why is no one else doing this? There's your answer to that problem. That way you don't have to do anything to your end product, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, sadly, it no longer exists. But that's actually my top downloaded podcast episode is him talking about that. It's because I feel like it's one of those things that everybody that's making bottle cold brew is trying, trying to figure, to figure out, out to yeah. extend the shelf life without adding or changing it up. Because that's what we want to do is mm -hmm. just. Make it as raw as possible, where we're not adding additives, and we don't want to really want to pasteurize it. Um, but we only have an eight-week shelf life before it is technically out of date. Yeah, and that's the thing is, I'm not, I'm, I'm guessing that the technology to do what he did is probably on the pricier side. Yeah. And doing heat pasteurization is not that expensive. Yeah. So from a business standpoint, it makes more sense just to do it. And especially if you're a company, um, for example, like La Cologne, where you're adding milk or something else to it. Um, I mean, of course, you're going to have to 
pasteurize it then, but it also kind of masks the cold brew. Mm -hmm. So it's not as obvious that it's a shelf-stable cold brew, you know? So, yeah, it's just, it's very interesting to me. I'm always curious when I try shelf-stable, like, is it going to taste like a shelf-stable yeah. or is it going to be a really good one? And most of the time they taste shelf-stable, but I've been surprised once or twice. <laughs> That's always nice. Yeah. So um, we kind of like to end our podcasts with people with the same two questions. Okay. So you can answer them in any order you would like. It's like so Jeopardy. It is. Right. <laughs> so the first one is for anybody who is, you said when you're in college you had a you know, career change, mm -hmm. you started doing your podcast. Do you have any advice for people professionally, personally, or anything like that that is something that you just feel like everyone should know? And then the second one is, what was your biggest failure or setback that actually propelled you for success? So the first one was, what's my like, biggest piece of advice? Yeah. yeah. To do what you love. Um, and I think a lot of people say that, and we think, oh, yeah, 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 do what you love. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Um, we hear that a lot. Um, but that was always, that's always been my rule in life, is that I have to do my work has to be something I love I won't settle for anything less because like this is so depressing and embarrassing but I had a moment in high school when I was watching high school musical three in theaters and it was the year I was graduating it's my senior year and it's their senior year and I just had this like epiphany moment <laughs> during the movie like oh my god I'm only gonna graduate from high school once I'm only gonna do this once you know, it's, we have one life, and like, it all hit me during this movie. Was, I'm like, oh my God, why am I crying in high school? Um, but that's, that like, message has really hit me over the past couple of years. Like, I have one life. How do I want to live it, you know? And I will not settle for working or having a career that, where it's not something I'm passionate about, right? So that's what ultimately made me change from musical theaters. I didn't love it as much as I did anymore due to numerous reasons, but that's what fueled my change. And I think a lot of times we're scared when we have those moments of, I don't like this anymore, I don't love this anymore, of making that, you know, that choice that is huge, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's what, I I guess, do what you love, but also realize that you only live once. Yeah. And I think Gary Vee says it best with, you're gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> that's saying, like, it's harsh, but it's so true. Like, we're all gonna die, and we're all, we all have one life, how do you wanna live it? And just keeping that, um, message in your mind anytime something big happens, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a little morbid, but... <laughs> no, it's yeah, true. Yeah, that's like how I like to live my life now. Um, and then the other one was... What was your biggest setback or failure that propelled you for future success? Oh, I would say, well, dropping out of school. Yeah, after one semester. Um, and for me, it was really rough because, I mean, when you leave high school, like, yeah, everyone goes to college, everyone thinks they, well, for the most part, thinks what they know what they want to do, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I came back after one semester, I'm like, you know, I'm back living with my parents. Um, it's one of the pros of college, right? So you get to be on your own, experience right. independence, and I got that taken away when I decided to come back. All my friends were gone at college, so none of my friends were back at home. Um, and that, I felt like a failure because I had done theater for, at that time, what, 12, 13 years of my life, and that's all I had done. So, and a lot of people were expecting, like, oh, she'll graduate, and then she'll try to go to Broadway and, you know, do something with it. So to say that, like, I'm quitting and I'm doing something else was really, I felt like a failure. And I, that, like, two to three-year period after I made that decision was, like, probably the worst years of my life. 
I was so just, I think I was depressed, honestly. I was just so down, didn't know what I wanted to do anymore. Um, and I love my parents, but I didn't want to live with them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was really, that was hard. But again, like driving that idea of like, you have one life, what do you want to do with it? You know, and so I found another passion at the time. I was like, I love food and you can major in it and do something with it. You know, that's what I love right now. So let's, let's go down that route for now and see what happens. And luckily so far, I still love it. <laughs> so <laughs> as of now, that's what I'm going to do. But um, yeah, I would say that was tough. But if I hadn't done that, if I had stayed in school, if I you know pursued and gotten the theater degree and went down that route, I highly doubt I would have started Cobra Chick. That would probably never happen. And this has brought me so many wonderful, unique opportunities, like coming to Coffee Fest in Indianapolis, that it's just... I have to pinch myself. It's so crazy and so cool. And I'm just like, wow, I can't believe this is happening to me. It's awesome. Um, yeah. Perfect. Those are my answers. Perfect. No, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I like those a lot because we say it all the time, like, if you're unhappy, you can change your life. No one's holding you to that job you don't like. Mm -hmm. They're not telling you you have to live in a certain city. You can literally do what you want, and you can make yourself happy by just changing the way you do things. Mm -hmm. So I, I love those answers. Yeah. Um, so where can everybody watching and listening find you? <laughs> I am Cold Brew Chick on all the social media platforms. So Instagram, Facebook. I have a Twitter, but I don't use it. So you can follow me if you want, but I don't <laughs> post anything. I just claimed it because I could. <laughs> um, I have a YouTube where that's where I do a lot of my um, Cold Brew Maker reviews. Mm -hmm. um, and some of my earlier... Um, reviews at coffee shops where I made people feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Those are all up on there. <laughs> so you'll see some people kind of like, yeah, um, we brew our cold brew like this. <laughs> They're kind of fun to look back on. Um, and then my podcast is Cold Brew Chick as well. And on that, I interview people that either make fantastic cold brew or make super unique, different cold brews that I haven't seen anywhere else. Um, and some fun and big names are coming awesome. on there. So I'm excited for that. And www.cobrewchick.com, your number one resource for all things cold brew. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. It's a great podcast. If you guys are interested in cold brew or coffee cool. in general, you should definitely check it out. Yeah. Like I've said throughout this podcast, I've listened to it multiple times, and it's uh -huh. all great information. So, so I think that's all I have. Thank you very much yeah, for thank you very much. taking the time. Yeah, it's nice to little, be on the other side of the microphone. Little, had, had a little traffic <laughs> trouble this afternoon, so it, it, it got delayed about an hour, but... Um, super pumped that you're able to yeah. you know, carve too. out some time while you were here and uh, and meet with us. And you did try our cold brew finally. I did, and finally, it's fantastic. Finally, it's been a, been a struggle to get yeah. that to San Diego, too. So sorry for that. Oh, well. not at all. It was well worth the wait. Perfect. Well, um, <laughs> glad you enjoyed it. Glad you're enjoying your time here helping with the cold brew competition. It's, it's really cool. It's uh, kind of nothing like I expected it would be. I don't know. You just – there's like eight teams – lined up and people just heard through and taste coffee and you say the same thing about a hundred times. <laughs> and, You're like uh, a used car salesman, yeah. huh? Oh yeah, so it's Costa Rican wash and it has a nice smooth chocolatey finish. Next, all right. <laughs> um, but it's a really cool experience and I'm, I'm glad I got to do it and uh, you know, hopefully uh, I think Chicago is probably the next closest For coffee fest to us that we'll probably attend and you know, hopefully uh, hop on that competition again. Yeah. Uh, that's all we have for you today. Yeah, so take it easy.